Well, you know, I, I had this very heavy theological presentation because I wanted to finish off the, um, I wanted to finish off what we had talked about in the th three angels' messages. I wanted to talk about the wrath of God and how it all works. And we really do need to talk about that because that does have a health aspect to it. And when you really understand that, that third angel's message, the actual motivation for the people is a passage that looks like it shouldn't motivate anybody. Tormented, the presence of the angels and the lamb. That's actually the ultimate motivating text. You know why? Not because of fear, not because of torment, not because of eternal wrath or anything like that. Because actually... I used to be an evangelist and scare people into the church using those kind of texts. You're going to die. <laughs> Fry. You know, I didn't quite do it because I was an Adventist, but close. And then I realized that is not the way. That's, that's not it. That really is there to show what Jesus went through for you on the cross. Hello? Because he took the wrath of God on himself so you don't have to take it. He lived, in fact, Ellen White says that the vials of the seven last plagues were poured out on God. He went through the plague so you don't have to. Hallelujah. So uh, this is the last meeting, but we can still have some energy, folks. Hallelujah. He went through those plagues so you don't have to. That's the point. So what looks like a demotive... Now I'm preaching the sermon. What looks like a demotivator is really a motivator. If you actually understand the code language of the Bible, uh, which people many times don't, which is why you've got to stay with them. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about that. But I think that's important. How many think that's important? Not so many, but <laughs> few. All right, let's pray then when we'll start. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you tonight. Man, it's been great to be here at ASI, the Southern Union. What a great group of people that are surrendered or surrendering to you, that are converted but being more converted. I join in that quest to be more converted as a result of our time together here tonight. And uh, so send your spirit to us to fill us once again. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, what I want to cover with you tonight is something, uh, anybody here that is not a Seventh-day Adventist Christian? Anybody here not a Seventh-day Adventist? Anybody? Ah, I'm so glad you're here. What's your name? Basu. Who? Basu. Batu? <laughs> what is it? Grandmother Sue. Grandmother Sue. This one's for you, okay? <laughs> I, I thought... I said, maybe there's somebody here that hasn't heard maybe of our faith. And I was hoping because, you know, an audience that's all Seventh-day Adventists is kind of boring. Amen. <laughs> Got to have some people there that maybe haven't heard the message. Um, I mean, I love you all. But let's look together at a chapter that I think is what I call it, Sue, is, Grandma Sue, is the Adventist Catechism. Do you have a Bible with you? One of, someone will get one for you. Uh, right next to you. She'll get you a Bible. I'm sure she won't. you get her a Bible? Get the lady a Bible, folks. So, um, all right. 
So we're going to look at this, and, and, and this, if I'm on a plane, if I'm on a train, or if I'm even talking to people, look, I don't have a lot of time in life. I'm, I'm getting older, <laughs> and I've, I've squandered many of my years already, and, and my short little gasp of a life is, is, is going to go away soon, you know, within the next 40 years at least, and that's not a lot of time, right? None of you really have a lot of time. I was talking to a 15-year-old the other day, and he says, you just don't understand people who are 15. I said, oh, yes, I do. He goes, ah, why do you think you understand? I said, look, I've been 15 four times. <laughs> that did not impress him. <laughs> that impressed me. Okay, so, but we don't have a lot of time, folks. And sometimes, you know, I've learned that I have to work in tight windows because people don't like long sermons. And they don't, they don't usually give me that much time. And um, so I need to assess rapidly, like I showed you this morning, for those of you who missed my most important presentation, early morning, on the Ten Commandments, don't you think that was the most important one? Some of you, I'm telling you, you need to watch that archive. Is it, is it, is it logged, is it archived anywhere? Are the messages archived? They are? Where, where is that? Audio verse and Facebook. Okay. I got to defend myself. I'm like, at home. my wife's going to say, let me see the tapes. No, <laughs> she wouldn't do that. So, um, so I have tight windows. And like one of the things I want to do, I have patients and I meet them that are clients and I have a group of about 20 of them. And I meet with each of them about three hours, do the math. And most of them, when I, I meet them, they are either atheist agnostics or apathetic, which is even worse. And they, they just simply are in trouble. That's why they're seeing me. People don't usually see me that are, as Calvin would say, normal. Where is Calvin? All right, Calvin. Calvin and I are very good friends. We were until this weekend. No, we're, we're fine. Anyway, so they usually come because they're in a desperate situation and they come um, maybe not even <laughs> expecting to meet me. You know, maybe, maybe I'm not the reason they came at all, really. But the entering wedge brings them in. The right arm of the gospel brings them, and then I'm there. So, uh, <clears throat> and so I have to meet with them. I have to <coughs> orient them. I usually talk about things like hope, anger, forgiveness, bitterness, resentment, the will, these kind of things, thoughts. Gratitude, long before I would look at anything in the Bible. But I use the Bible in each of those, but I usually start with science and then I go to those things. I really think that, uh, you know, I was telling Chester just now about this, that the, the conference should come up with a new set of lessons that's based on that. Because these things are really what people are, are interested in. You know, you're talking to somebody and you wonder why you can't give a Bible study. Well, you get this, you know... I like the creatures, and I like all the features of the creatures, and I believe in public evangelism, done it. But sometimes people are just wondering how they're going to get through the next day, and you want to study hope with them. And, and by the way, those prophecies are very hopeful once over you get over the initial understanding or maybe even shock um, of what not. Okay, I'm getting off a bit. So, so I do this sequence of things, and then I notice that people start to get interested and when they get interested, I want to give them a quick overview, Sue. I'm doing this for you. You're like the only person here. The rest of them. You. 
Okay, um, I gave him a, a quick over. You have a Bible yet? Do you have it open? Okay, I give him a, a quick. What, what's it open to? All right, Revelation, that's the right place. Wow, did I say that already? I give them a quick overview, and I use Revelation chapter 1. So turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. And in Revelation chapter 1, in Revelation chapter 1, this is an outline of, of all the doctrines, of all the teachings you would need to know how to pick a church. Uh, and it's all summarized here in this introductory chapter of Revelation. So let's read verse 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants. Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Who bore witness to the word of God to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who does what? And blessed are those who do what? And blessed are those who do what? Read, hear, and keep uh, the words of this prophecy. Keep those things written it, for the time is near. What is the major focus of these verses? There's a revelation that comes from who? An angel to John, and it's a revelation of what? And how is Jesus Christ being talked about? Where is he being talked about in verse 2? Who bore witness to the what? Word of God. So this first three verses is talking about the Word of God. It does mention the spirit of prophecy, but these are inspired sources. The Word of God. So number one, the most important thing, if you're looking for a church, is what do they teach about the Word of God? Scriptures. Hallelujah. Hello. And like I like to say, Seventh-day Adventists believe if it's in the Bible, we believe it. And if it's not, we don't. Maybe that's a little too simple, but I remember it very well. So if it's in the Bible, we believe it. If he's not, we don't. Would you agree with that, Sue? If you're looking for a church, would you think that's good? So if it's in the Bible, we believe it. And if it's not, we don't. So if, so if you need a little Bible study on the scriptures, normally I'll, I'll, I'll go to Luke chapter 24. And Luke 24, it talks about how Jesus was talking to the disciples who were discouraged on the road to Emmaus. And then he began in Moses and all the prophets and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And as a result, their hearts began to burn within them as he opened the scriptures to them. And it actually tells you what the books are in the Old Testament and whatnot. And so the word of God is the number one thing. So number one, what's point number one? The Bible, or we might say the scriptures. Now, I do have some graphics tonight, just very few, um, because this is not too intense. Oh, look at that. That's too bad that that shows up like that. First one right there is the scriptures, Revelation 1, 1 to 3. By the way, if you want to put health in there, since we need to have health, without the scriptures, there would be no scientific thought. Scientific thought started in Judeo-Christian culture, the origin of science and the science of his origin and several books say that scientific thought actually came as a result of the scriptures, namely Daniel chapter one, but I don't have time to study that with you. That's the oldest scientific study according to the New England Journal of Medicine and it actually has that control group in the other. So number one, scriptures. Let's hasten on, however, to number two. 
verse 4 through 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace. Remember these words. When I, when I punctuate the word, that means remember it. Grace to you and peace. From him who is and was and is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness and the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What do you think of when you think grace, peace, blood, washed us from our sins? What doctrine? Now, you cannot be answering the questions, Dr. Nelson, because I've actually shown him this before. But that's cheating. Sue, we have a cheater here. No. <laughs> um, so, yes, number two is salvation. If you're looking at the scriptures, what's the most important part of the scriptures? What's the most important doctrine? Some people were talking to me earlier today and they said, well, well, my friends told me that's not a salvational issue. Well, that is an important thing. If you don't have salvation, don't worry about anything else. Salvation is an important doctrine. Would you say amen? And if you read the Bible without getting the idea that you're saved, Sue, by grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, you're saved solely by the blood of Jesus, then you're in the wrong church. Wouldn't you agree? All right, uh, you're not on the spot or anything. <laughs> just forget about these people. It's just you and me. So, um, yeah, this, this is the doctrine, right? So, number one, the most important thing is the Scriptures. Secondly, the second most in, uh, thing in the lineup is salvation. Have you been saved by grace through faith? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? Do you believe he's someone that can only save you from, uh, from your sins, he saves us from our sins, not in our sins. Salvation is not just justification, it's also sanctification. Amen? And that is the second major teaching of Revelation 1. How many are liking Revelation 1? Let's keep going. Verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. That doesn't sound secret to me. Every eye will see him. In fact, Thessalonians says every ear will hear him. In fact, 1 Thessalonians, every chapter in 1 Thessalonians ends with a picture of the second coming. Every chapter, every chapter, every chapter, one chapter, two, three, four, five, all about the second coming. And it says the Lord himself will descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And here it says every eye will see him, every ear will hear him. It's going to be universal. Are you looking forward to Jesus coming again? Yeah. One in every eight verses in the New Testament speaks of the second coming. It's like the heartbeat of the, um, of the New Testament. Would you agree, Sue, is important? How, you want Jesus to come back again? Amen. How many of you agree with Sue? You want Jesus to come back? And that's why we're called Adventists. Advent just means appearing. The first appearing was when he came for salvation. The second time is the second coming. So let's just review. Number one, the scriptures. Number two, salvation. Number three, second coming. What a wonderful thing that Jesus is coming again. Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 8 through 10. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, saith the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. 
I, John, both your brother and com- companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the what day? The Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. What's the teaching here, the major teaching? The Lord's day. Some of you are saying Sabbath day. How do you know it means the Sabbath day? Once in every one of the Gospels, it calls the Lord's day Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath. And it says that he's in charge of the Lord's day. In the commandment itself, remember the seventh day to you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's the Sabbath of the Lord. And so it's a, a definitely throughout scriptures, 128 times in the Bible, we have the word Sabbath. But you know, some people have tried to change the weekly cycle. Have you ever heard about the French who tried to change it to a 10-day week called the decade, where we get the word decadence from? It didn't work out for them. The mental institutions filled up, even though the math was easier. They needed it to keep track of all the people in the mental institutions. Stalin said, let's just stall a little bit here. Let's try something different. Give me five. I just want five-day work weeks. Five-day work weeks, and then we'll just stagger it with different people so they can't go at the same time. Both of these were attempts to knock out, you know, belief in God and Christianity. Even the animals died for Stalin, and he had to give back the weekly cycle after 11 years of ineffective production. How many are thankful that the Sabbath is still with us one day in seven of Palestine time? So the Sabbath day of Palestine time, the reason I love being a Seventh-day Adventist and worshiping on the Sabbath is because it's all the way from Friday night to Saturday night, a true break. And they've said that chronic stress sets in if you have stress for more than a week. And so it protects you from chronic stress, and they've done many studies, especially since COVID-19, that actually one day in seven actually helps increase the immune system of the body. There are all kinds of things I could go through, but I don't have time. It is a wonderful blessing, not only, uh, you know, with physiologically and for our health, but also for our spiritual health. I'm going to thank for the Sabbath. Amen. Sue, you okay with the Sabbath, one day in seven? Amen. That's wonderful. Let's keep going. Next. Next, we keep going. Look at the next thing we see here. Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, if you were looking for seven golden lampstands in the scripture, where would they usually show up? Man, you guys must be, man, you guys are Bible scholars. Seven lampstands. Did you know that, Sue? Seven lampstands. Would you, would you think of the sanctuary if we thought of that? So there's that building that had the altar of sacrifice and then the laver, and then inside that building they had those, that lamp, like a menorah it looks like, and there were seven lampstands there. So this is actually pointing to the sanctuary, and the sanctuary is just a wonderful piece of instructional material. It helped people remember how he got them out of Egypt. A lamb, so they sacrificed a lamb. They went to the Red Sea, so there was a basin of water. They went to where Moses had been at the base of the mountain and saw the burning bush, and so there's the lampstand. They went, they were fed by manna, and then Moses went up the mountain, and so they had the table of showbread. And then Moses went up and down to intercede for them. So there was an altar of incense. And then finally Moses went in to the most holy place and received the Ten Commandment law. 
And the sanctuary was meant to remind them of that we call exodus after the exit sign, Sue. I mean, the exit sign called after this. The exit sign reminds us that God got 1.5 million people out of slavery and out of captivity, and he wants to get us out of the slavery to sin. Isn't that a wonderful doctrine? Now, Seventh-day Adventists really know a lot about that. They look at that for health. They look at that for prophecy. They look at that in so many ways. Are you thankful for the God of the sanctuary, a complete system of truth, connected and harmonious? Great Controversy, page 423. Let's look at the next one. A great one, since we're remembering, many of us, the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. Look with me at verse 16 through 18. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me. This is medical missionary hand, the right hand, saying to me, do not be afraid. I'm the first and I'm the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. How many think that was worth the Bible study right there? How many of you have lost anybody to death recently or at any time? I lost my mother. And I lost my father, my mother to COVID-19. I took her to the hospital, and they wouldn't let me in. I tried to get in. They said, only if we take her off life support can you go in and visit her. Man, I felt like I got hit by it. I don't know if you've had someone close to you die. I felt like every single organ in my body was taken out and just crushed right in front of me. It was awful. Awful. Terrible. So how did I get through that? I read my mother's Bible cried as I read my mother's Bible. I read all the texts that she wrote, all the texts she underlined. And I saw that she believed in the blessed hope. You know, I had a broken heart over that. But if you have a broken heart tonight, God knows about it. And a broken heart is an open heart. My life actually improved spiritually as I went through that, because of the blessed hope. How many of you are thankful for the blessed hope? And that's the picture that's given here. You know, since it's resurrection celebration, by the way, the way Seventh-day Adventists uh, celebrate the resurrection is not through a pageant or different things like that or a setup of a, of a uh, passion play. We don't do that. Oh, wait, you guys do that here. But normally, many places we don't do that. Uh, we, what we do instead of that, um, I'm not stepping on any toes here because you weren't there today. Um, uh, the, nor the way we normally do that is by baptism. So the way we celebrate the resurrection is people are immersed by Bible baptism, which is immersion. We take them down under the water, representing death, and then they're resurrected to newness of life. So in my church, for, for this time of year, we celebrate the resurrection by multiple baptisms. But I'm with you guys this week. But we try and schedule many baptisms so that we celebrate as the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't celebrate by changing the day from Sabbath to Sunday or by, you know, plays or whatnot. It celebrates by baptism. 
Hallelujah. Wow, what a great doctrine. And by the way, the state of the dead, that's what that doctrine is. Seventh-day Adventist and the Bible teaches there's no such thing as an immortal soul. There's, the word immortal is used six times in the Bible, only applying to God and as a gift that we receive of the resurrection. But 1,800 times it has the word soul and never immortal soul. Does that matter? Well, the University of Purdue thinks so and many others because when you start to believe the soul is separate from the body, you don't take care of your body as much and people that believe that doctrine actually have more obesity and more disease. Coupled with that once saved, always saved and you're really gonna get sick because then you really don't take care of your body. And this is the study of science and whatnot. So some of the evidence teach that when you die, you sleep. The next thing you see is Jesus so it's not like you're aware somewhere, you're not uh, in torment and you're not in torment above looking down on your relatives or below. You are just sleeping except for a few auditors. And the next thing you see is Jesus. Can you say hello? Can you say hallelujah to that? A couple auditors, they gotta watch things out, you know. There's Moses, there's Enoch, there's Elijah. And there was 500 that resurrected at the time of Jesus. But aside from those auditors, how many of you know what an auditor is? Does Dave, do you know what an auditor is? Yeah, he's, uh, that's what he does all the time. Um, aside from that, there's a sleep in the grave till the time of the second coming of Jesus. I mean, think about it. Does it make sense if you already went to heaven to have to come back down again at the second coming? No, it's kind of schizophrenic. So we want to keep people where they should be, right? Until they go where they, they need to be. Amen? Amen? We don't want the Bible to not make sense. Okay, let's go to the next one. The next one, what do we have next? Oh, I love this one. Verse 18. Verse 18. We have eight minutes and we have Two verses. We're going to make it, folks. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Verse 19, rather. Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Let me think about the tenses with you there for a minute. The things that you have seen, what tense is that? The things that are, what tense is that? The things that will be, what tense is that? The Bible talks about things in the past. It, thinks, it talks about the present truth. It also talks about things that what? Will be. How much of the Bible is prophecy? How much of the Bible is pro, which means before, funny, which means to speak? How much of the Bible is prophecy? 30%. How much of the Quran is prophecy? How much of the Bhagavad Gita is prophecy? How much of the Vedic scriptures is prophecy? Bible is different. It has prophets. How many of you are thankful for prophecy? 3,000, I mean, 350 prophecies help us know who Jesus is. And prophecy helps us not only know who Jesus is, but where he is and what he's doing. And if we know where he is and what he's doing, we can know who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? This is the spirit of prophecy. Now, I thought of a hymn, O Shepherd Divine, I think that's it. O Shepherd Divine, what, what number is that? So, one of the reasons I'm 
delighted to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian is because of the focus on prophecy. Amen? Amen. And I'm also delighted for the gift of prophecy as well. That's been a great blessing not only to this church, but many other churches as I, as I talked to you about earlier. Now the last one in our journey. How many of you found this a fascinating journey? All in one chapter. All in one chapter, you have the major doctrines of whatever church. This is the church that Jesus would want you to join with these different elements in it. And we're going to review them to see how you do in terms of your memory. Some people just remember they don't have a good memory. And that's pretty good memory right there. But uh, we'll see how you do, okay? But the last one here is verse 20. Um. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand. Well, seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the what? What is this talking about? The church. Does God have a church? Has he had a church throughout time? Is it a church that you can identify? And how would you identify it? You would identify it with these eight truths we just went through. And let me see how you do. Number one, Sue, and the rest of you, was what? That is so weak. Even you guys back there, just turn off your phones for a minute and focus in. Number one, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out. Number one is what? Number two is? Number three is? You're a little eager, ma'am. Just wait for the others. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> number four is? Number five is? Number six is? Number seven is? And number eight is? The saints. How many can say hallelujah? All in one chapter. Now, I don't know why they take so long with Bible studies. It's all right in one chapter. All right, I don't know if amazing uh, uh, opinions or whatever, amazing facts or it is written or whatever. How many think that maybe this, by the way, these are great ministries, but what they do with their lessons is this magnify each one of those eight. And there's others in there I didn't cover. All in one chapter. How many think that maybe God inspired this chapter? Now, let me just show you something here, since I, I do want to use the graphics a little bit. Where did I put this clicker? I have two minutes. Um, scriptures, salvation, second coming, Sabbath, sanctuary, state of the dead, spirit of prophecy, and the saints, or the church. Sue, most of us would agree that we believe this, the Bible is authoritative, right? If it's in the Bible. Secondly, we believe in the doctrine of salvation, correct? And we believe Jesus is coming again, right? And we believe we need to be in church. These areas here may be the ones where we have a little question on. These are what we call the testing truths. Are we going to believe about what the Bible says about the Sabbath? Or, you know, there's other options out there. The next one, the sanctuary. Sometimes people haven't heard about that. And all the nuances of that. The state of the dead. Sometimes that's new to people. And the spirit of prophecy. These four testing truths are right there. And when I study with people, I just go with, through with people. And many times, if they haven't heard the Bible at all, they say, that's cool. That makes a lot of sense. And then I don't have to take forever. In a day, I give them a doctrinal review sheet. 
Some of my students are not, they go, they go through it. We disciple them over the next three years. But they have enough information to move forward with Jesus. How many of you are seeing that? I can figure that out in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And then I know what to do next. Does that make sense? I can do that on a plane or a train. I do that in an office. I can do that. I can figure out where people are. And then I sophisticate it based on what the needs are. Does that make sense to you? Now, one thing I missed in my remaining 34 seconds that I want to bring out to you, and it's something bad, and maybe the teachers among us, I talked to a teacher all afternoon, will, will be able to tell me what verses I missed in the chapter. Did anyone notice the verses I missed? What were they? What? Uh, okay, you're, you're, you're wrong. Um, uh, that's okay. That we're learning together. Um, <laughs> look at verse 15 or verse 14. His head and hair were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. Who's this talking about? In fact, 13 says, one like the son of man. I didn't read that out. With a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head was like fair with white like wool and white as snow and his his eyes like flames of fire and his feet were like fine brass as refined in the furnace and his voice with the sound of many waters. And he had a right, at his right hand uh, seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun burning, shining in strength. What's this about? Who are all these verses about? Jesus. Guess who is right there overseeing all these various teachings in Revelation chapter 1? Who is it? And isn't Jesus called in some place the Word of God? And isn't Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, salvation? And isn't Jesus the one who's coming again? And isn't Jesus the person that's throughout the sanctuary? Isn't he the Lamb? Isn't he the water of life? Isn't he the light of the world? Isn't he the bread of life? Isn't his magisterial prayer in John 17 the ultimate prayer? And isn't he the one who in John 15 perfectly kept the law for us and wants to do it in us and through us? Isn't it all about Jesus? And isn't Jesus the one that rose from the dead? In fact, he's the only one that ever died the second death for you and me. Can you say hallelujah? And you don't have to because of that. And doesn't Jesus have a body? Wow. Not only are all the doctrines there, but most importantly, so is Jesus. Is this a good Bible study for you to have? I put it right in your Bible for tonight. Wait a minute, it was already there. I call it the Seventh-day Adventist Catechism. He gives the eight major truths. And when I go through this with people, you know, last year I think our team baptized 70 people. As we win their confidence, I go through this study and I know in 30 minutes what to do for the next visit or so, few visits. And people see the beauty. People don't see beauty by flipping all over the place unless they're pretty intelligent. But if you keep them in one chapter, did someone say that earlier? If you keep them in one chapter and they can grasp this with their rapid access memory, they see something beautiful and they latch onto it. Hallelujah.
It's been wonderful being here with ASI. I want to thank those who invited me and really has been wonderful Southern hospitality. And I'm going to take a couple of great controversies that the president is, can I, I mean, I'm from California. Do you think they need that in California? Probably should take some extra books to California. <laughs> One for the governor. Um, but, um, right. And thank you so much for your leadership. Thank you, ASI. And I think it's Debbie Baker, who's the president of this chapter. Thank you, Eric Nelson. Thank you, uh, Mr. Nunnally, for your leadership. Thank you, the rest of you I'm not saying. Thank you for the wonderful food. Wasn't the food wonderful? And thank you also, all of you, for the wonderful things you're doing for the Lord in your booths and your ministries. It's been a blessing to hear the reports. I'll give you one last report. I had two people from your conference, three that came. By Bible First Ministry came. And I don't know if you know Amy and Michael. How many of you ever met Amy and Michael Nelson? How many of you know Eric Nelson, the program director? It's his children. They came out and did an advances a campaign in my church this last week. They packed the church out, 200 to 300 people a night, all young families. And you know what it did? It made all my academy students say, you know, if they can do that, maybe I can do it too. Can you say amen? amen. So we thank the Lord for my Bible first ministry and for all the other ministries here. Do you mind if I pray with you one last time here? I don't know if there's other announcements after me, but let me just pray with you. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. And thank you for your wonderful truth that we saw here in Revelation chapter 1. Summarizing the great truths that you would like anyone to know. The scriptures, salvation, the second coming. And um, the Sabbath and the sanctuary and the state of the dead. And the spirit of prophecy and the church. Lord, may we be more deeply rooted and grounded in your truth. Not only to know it, but also through your grace and through the filling of your Holy Spirit to show it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.